0: ...celebrate uh, and remember the fallen in the battles of all wars. Uh, Flags are placed on graves uh, all over uh, our city. Um, If you go over to Riverwalk Park, you'll see uh, they have a thousand flags all spread out across that park and uh, they're about six foot tall and if you uh, if you've never been over there if you've never seen it a thousand flags in the park and you would go over there and, and sp- just stroll through that as you reflect on the the freedoms that we've been given because of uh, the sacrifice uh, of our military you know this wasn't always the case And did you know that uh, Memorial Day was actually originally called um, Decoration Day? It was first established to remember those who died in the Civil War uh, between the United States and the Confederate States, the North against the South. Four years of the bloodiest battle in American history from 1861 to 1865, 620,000 men died on U.S. soil. In 1868, John A. Logan legislated for May 30th to be set aside uh, for this memorial of the soldiers fallen in the battle of the Civil War. Uh, But by the end of World War I, uh, that holiday had evolved evolved, uh, into commemorating all American military who died in any war. And so, from uh, World War II on, um, that was, uh, that's how we celebrated. You know, although in, in, uh, in 1968, exactly 100 years uh, to, the, to the month, uh, May 30th was changed to be the last Monday of the month of May, uh, and this change uh, gave way for our traditional uh, three-day holiday, and that's the this is the weekend you know that we enjoy today. Uh, some employers allow for a paid day off on Monday, uh, and a lot of people you know either go to the parks or have family over and have barbecues uh, you know at, at their houses to just celebrate our freedoms. See, the freedoms uh, we enjoy as Americans, you know, have been paid for by the blood of our military men and women. And this weekend, uh, we remember their legacy uh, for which they fought and died. Uh, Without sacrifice, without their sacrifice, we would not have the freedoms we have in this country. The freedom to even meet here in this place, uh, the freedom to, to share the Bible openly Without fear or shame. So this this all brings us to today, and the understanding that we have of another sacrifice, uh, the sacrifice that was made, uh, that we celebrated uh, on Easter, uh, the death, burial, and resurrection uh, of Jesus. Uh, that that brings Christians, uh, believers, uh, here uh, where we meet throughout the week to to share in the scriptures John Logan caused this holiday to begin the Apostle Paul teaches us about our position in Christ so if you turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1 and we're going to start there now most of us know and understand that uh, what GPS is right global positioning systems and, and a lot of times when you're using the global positioning system uh, t- as you travel or uh, things of that nature, uh, you might find a moment in that where it becomes uh, or causes it to be recalculating to where it kind of loses the connection and then, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, it kind of makes the connection again and, you know, and at some point it says, okay, now uh, no longer take this route, but take this route. Uh, today, I've, in, I've entitled this message today, uh, Repositioning. The, uh, instead of the GPS, uh, I'm saying that this is an EPS. This is the eternal positioning system. There is no recalculating uh, in, within the system. This is a calculated system and will be this system uh, Forever. So in in, uh, Paul, in in the winter of A.D. 57 and 58, uh, Paul found himself in Corinth. And that that was at the close of his third missionary journey. Uh, On the eve of his departure to Jerusalem uh, with the offering for the money uh, for the poor believers there, uh, a woman named Phoebe of Centuria. Centuria is a suburb of Corinth uh, where she was sailing to Rome. And Paul, he availed himself of the opportunity to send this letter by her to Rome. See, there was no postal service in the Roman Empire at that time. Uh, It was, uh, um, you know, maybe for official business, I guess. But the postal service that we enjoy today is more of a modern origin. In those days, uh, letters had to be carried by hand, uh, either by a friend or just uh, chance travelers. Paul wrote this epistle to let the Roman Christians know that he was going to be on his way to Rome, although uh, Paul possibly may not even have known that he was going to get out of Jerusalem alive. But it seemed proper that the apostle to the Gentiles uh, would leave on file in the capital of the known world a written explanation of the nature of the gospel of Christ. In this greeting the first seven verses of romans chapter one we're going to see that how paul introduces himself his message and his readers so if you found your place in romans chapter one uh, we'll start in verse one if you'd stand and we would read god's word and pray and get into this paul a bond servant of jesus christ called to be an apostle separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through, through his prophets in the holy scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the re- resurrection from the dead. Through him, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations, for his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Father, today as we um, look into these seven verses, realizing that there's a lot of information, a lot of stuff that Lord Paul had packed into these, And God, as we uh, just attempt to unpack this information, uh, I would pray today that your Holy Spirit uh, would move in this place, would move in the hearts and minds of men and women uh, who are here. Uh, Lord, that your word would find a resting place, uh, something, Lord, that Uh, only you can do uh, in our lives. And and Lord, that's why we're here today, uh, to look into your word and to cause your Holy Spirit to make us new, make us fresh. And so, Lord, we give our time to you as we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So, so let's see uh, in these seven verses, let's see if we can kind of break this down a little bit. Now, this this letter begins starkly. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. See, Paul was a servant. A servant at that time was without rights in the ancient world. Uh, a servant's marriage and family was not even recognized. A servant's death went uninvestigated. To be a servant at that time was a terrible thing. See, slavery was the issue between the United States and the Confederate States. One wanted to uh, free the slaves and the other wanted to maintain having slaves. You see, having a slave, you know, to to them in the Confederate states uh, was uh, was nothing more than purchasing a tractor, was nothing more than buying a tool. They owned them as possessions. So let's jump back into the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 15. As we go back into the Old Testament, we'll see the life of a servant, we'll see the life Uh, of a bondservant, as Paul would proclaim in verse one. But as we do this, as we go to Deuteronomy chapter 15, what I want you to do is I would want you to put yourself in this place. You are the master, Uh, you are the slave owner, you are the Jewish believer, you are uh, uh, a Hebrew man or woman uh, in this story. So as we pick it up in verse 12 of Deuteronomy 15, this is the law. This is what God uh, put uh, in the law. And he says, starting in verse 12, If your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you and serves you six years, then in, in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you. And, and when you send him away free from you, you shall not let him go away empty-handed. You shall supply him liberally from your flock, from the threshing floor, and from your wine presses. From what the Lord God, your God has blessed you with, you shall give him. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. In verse 16, and, but if it happens that he says to you, I will not go away from you. Because he loves you and your house uh, since he prospers with you. Then you shall take an all and thrust it through his ear to the door and and he shall be a servant forever. Also to your female servant you shall do likewise. It shall not seem hard to you when you send him away free from you for he has been worth a double hired servant in serving you six years, then the Lord your God will bless you in all that you do. Now, having a servant, and, and, and that servant serving you six years, God in the law had set this up to where in the seventh year, they could go free. It seems to me more like this is a, a lease agreement more than it is purchasing or buying uh, a slave that the Confederate states were, uh, you know, were owning uh, the slaves. Uh, the slave uh, only had to work for six years. Then he or she could go free. When, she was go- when, they, when they were going free, uh, you, you had to give them from your flock. You had to give them from your grain from your threshing floor and you had to give them wine from your wine presses. And you had to abundantly give them and send them out on their way. That was how God set it up in the Old Testament under the law. Although if that slave didn't want to leave because you were such a, a great master such a good master that they prospered with you and and they didn't want to leave, they wanted to stay then you you know you, there was a way that God made that that could happen, and he could take that all a nail right and 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 thrust it through their ear into the doorpost now you 've heard it been said that the part of that ear gets embedded into that that door into that doorpost right and forever that piece of flesh will be there. Now, that slave could stay forever. However, Paul uses the title of a bond servant as a badge of honor. You know, for Paul was a servant of Jesus Christ and, uh, and of course that freed him from the law. To be a a servant of Jesus Christ is a very, very liberating thing. You're free from the law. So how long was a servant supposed to live or serve the master? How long? Six years. How long is a bond servant to serve the master? Forever. Now, Paul, or, or should I say Saul, we'll, we'll go back that far, right? 25 years prior to this, um, Paul, or Saul, he was breathing threats against the church. He was breathing threats against the be- believers in Jesus Christ. Uh, he was going and, and, uh, and beating and, and dragging Christians off into jail. He, he was also killing them. The the term uh, "breathing threats" right is is to uh, be like a, a boar uh, or a hog and poking it with a spear. Uh, they would they were Paul uh, he w- he would be going crazy in all of this. John Corson, uh, of course, uh, most of you heard some of the things he said. Uh, he would indicate that Paul was going hog wild. John Corson would also tell a story about a chicken and a pig. A lot of you have heard the story about the chicken and the pig, right? So one day, this chicken and pig was strolling through town, right down Main Street. You know, in those uh, communities where it's you know common and normal to see a chicken and a pig walking down Main Street. You know, they came upon the local community church, and uh, you know, and within that church uh, they were having a meeting, and the chicken and pig decided to. Join the meeting. Well, as they came in, they heard the part of the meeting was uh, about the homeless community and things that they could do to help uh, with the homeless community. And and certainly the um, uh, the pastor asked, "Does anybody have any ideas?" You know. And well, as soon as that happened, you know, the the chicken, you know, raised its wing. Like of course, most meetings, you know, in churches where the chicken and the pig show up, you know, uh, the pastor says, "What do you have to say?" Gave him, gave him an opportunity. Well, the, the chicken <clears throat> cleared his throat, right? And said, I, I think that uh, we should be able to, you know, to supply uh, breakfast uh, for our homeless community. Well, the pastor says, uh, okay, uh, that sounds good, but what should we serve? And the chicken said, well, I believe we should uh, serve ham and eggs. As yeah. Soon as those words came out of the chicken's mouth, the pig butted in. As pigs do, right? And 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 as the pig butted in and he goes, Look, whoa, 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 He goes, I get it that you want to serve the homeless. And I get it that uh, you want to make a contribution. He goes, but but if we do this, I have to make a total commitment. On the road to Damascus, that we read in Acts chapter nine, Paul met the risen, risen Savior, the resurrected Lord. His life from that moment was changed. His commitment for the next 25 years was total commitment. You might say that he was going full bore in his service for the Lord. Paul says in verse 1, a bondservant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle separated to the gospel of God. Uh, You know, note that that Paul's description of himself is is really a a description of how he's been shaped and affirmed by the gospel. Verse 2, he goes on to say, which he, God, promised before through his prophets in the holy scriptures. The book of Isaiah was written over 800 years before Jesus was born. And the book of Isaiah contains two of the most famous prophecies in the Hebrew Scriptures. The, the first was the virgin birth that we read about in uh, Isaiah chapter 7. And, and the second, uh, Isaiah wrote about a, a, a servant who suffered and died for our sins. Uh, that's in Isaiah 52 and 53. See, it's, it's these scriptures, you know, and many more that Paul is referencing uh, before uh, in the Holy Scriptures. In, in verse 3, uh, Paul tells us of the humanity of Jesus. Jesus' humanity is that he's real and not just imagined. So what does it say? Verse 3, concerning his son, God, that's God's son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh. Don Stewart summarized it this way. David was promised that one of his offspring uh, would rule forever. Jesus was called the son of David while he was here on earth. He was born in Bethlehem, the city of David. The Gospel of Matthew Records that various people on six different occasions uh, acknowledge that Jesus uh, acknowledged Jesus as the Son of David. See, the, the Son of David is a, is a messianic uh, title. And, but Jesus never denied that he was the Son of David. In fact, on Palm Sunday, he received the praise and worship of the people. in, in, in verse four. Uh, Paul reminds us that the deity of Jesus, uh, you know, and, and, and it's confirmed by the bodily resurrection. Uh, he states that, and declared to be the son of God with power according to the, the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. This power that Paul is referring to is the, the Greek word dunamis. It's used 120 times in the New Testament. So loosely, uh, this word refers to strength, power, and ability, but it also could be uh, great strength, great power, and great ability. It, it's the root word of our English words, dynamite, dynamo, and dynamic. This same great power was seen in the Old Testament, so, so Can you recall um, when Noah and his family were in the ark with all the animals and God flooded the earth? Now, of course, I know that we weren't there. And that's not what I'm trying to, want you to recall, but I want you to recall from the scriptures, things that you've read, the stories that you've heard, that it was this same power. Genesis chapter eight, verse one says, then God remembered Noah To me, I just, I love that right there. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters subsided. Uh, uh, That same power was also seen in Exodus 14, 21 and 22. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground and the waters uh, were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. See, Paul said, with power, uh, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. The, the declaration that, uh, that Jesus was the son of God was confirmed by that resurrection, by rising Jesus from the dead. What, in my, you know, this is, what an awesome testimony, what a power that was. And that's the power that Paul is uh, referring to. Verse five, through him, that is Jesus, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Now, think about this. Paul says that we have received grace and apostleship. See, when when Jesus called each one of us, we we became disciples, living and and learning from the master of the universe, the things that come directly from the lips and the heart of God. When Jesus ascended into heaven, uh, the command was to go, into the world make disciples and baptizing them in the name of Jesus. See what it says in in Matthew chapter 28 when Jesus said, "'Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, "'baptizing them in the name of the Father, "'and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, "'teaching them to observe all things "'that I have commanded you. "'And lo, I am with you always, "'even to the end of the age.'" Amen. Uh, That same power That we've seen in the Old Testament, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that same power is with us today. Uh, The word apostle, uh, in its loose sense, really just describes someone who is being sent. Someone who is being sent by by Jesus. You know, as Paul was sent by Jesus and commanded to go to the Gentiles, uh, so too you and I are commanded to go and be witnesses to jesus throughout the world and we see that in acts chapter 1 verse 8 it says that but you shall receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in jerusalem and in all judea and samaria and to the end of the earth so do you realize what this means do you do you know what this means you know you you and i uh are and could be considered apostles. Because we're being sent by Jesus as well. Now, now, don't, now, hear me on this. I'm not saying that you need to go and get business cards, right, and that has the title apostle on it. That's not the point that I'm making. The point that I'm making is that do we see ourselves this way? We do hold, by definition, the office uh, of apostleship. And Paul makes that proclamation, he makes that clear. So you might be asking, uh, so why have we received grace and apostleship? I know I'm looking out there, I'm seeing a few of the faces kind of bewildered, you know. Why? Well, the reason, you know, given in verse 5, you know, was for the obedience to the faith. Obedience to the faith among all the nations. For who? For Jesus. For Jesus' name. You know, Peter, while ad- addressing the Sanhedrin and being filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter four uh, in verse 12, we see, "Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You see, our obedience brings honor to the name of Jesus. Verse 6, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. In in verse 6 and 7, you know, Paul, uh, he's describing uh, his readers according to the gospel's work in them. They are called. They are loved by God. And they are his holy people. The called out ones, right? It's, it's, it's the, the, the word "ecclesia," right? It means the church, the called out ones. See, if you're a believer today, and if you've trusted in Jesus as your savior, if, if your life is clothed with his righteousness, then you, my friends, are the called. See, God's call is, is not an invitation but a powerful and effective reaching out to claim individuals to himself. Let me read that one more time. God's call is not an invitation, but a powerful, effective reaching out to claim individuals for himself. In the language of the Acts and epistles, the word called always denotes an effectual calling. Calling and therefore suggests both the call given by God and obedience to it. The, the obedience is on our part. The obedience is on the part of the believer. In, in verse 7, Paul changes the traditional greeting, uh, joy and prosperity, to the more gospel-focused grace and peace in In these introductory verses, Paul describes the scripture uh, the spirit and god 's people as holy. here, as in the rest of the New Testament, holy people or or saints uh, in some translations right is is always used in the position rather than the condition. Uh, the word is derived from the from the, from the word holy, and it means set apart or separate. See, Paul, he forms his self-image and the way he sees others from the gospel. This, according to uh, theologian J.I. Packard uh, in his book, uh, In Knowing God is Our Identity, he says, I am a child of God God is my father heaven is my home and every day is one day nearer Paul describes this uh, relationship uh, between him and other believers as an identity shaped by the gospel and finally uh, in verse 7 Paul says uh, to all the saints who are in or to all who are in Rome beloved of God called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Did, do you realize, saints are the only ones uh, who can experience grace and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Saints are the only one that can do that. Saints are the only one that that, that get that opportunity, that have that opportunity. One morning. A young boy went to church with his grandparents. And as they were going into the cathedral, uh, the young boy, he noticed that there were portraits in this stained glass all the way around that, that cathedral. And he asked his grandmother, who are these guys? What, is that, what does that represent? And his grandmother told him, you know, those are the saints. St. Paul, St. John, St. Peter, and so on. Well, that morning, while the young man was in Sunday school, right, the teacher just happened to ask, does anybody know what a saint is? Well, certainly the young man, he raised his hand. The teacher called on him, and he said, they are people who let the light shine through. So you might say, but Tink, I'm, I'm, I'm such a sinner. And, and you are, and I am in the flesh. Uh, the word sin uh, it has, uh, was originated in uh, archery. That's kind of where that came from. And you know what it means? It, it means missing the mark. Well, we've heard that a long time, that it means missing the mark. It means not hitting the gold. It goes a little farther and it means error, right? And and in that error, right, it means one who will not partake in the prize. It describes a loser. And so I was a loser. Before coming to Jesus, heaven is only heaven because Jesus is there. I'm only afforded heaven because of my position in Christ. See, you know, we've all uh, fallen short, you know, we, we get that right, you know, and, uh, and so uh, we tend to consider ourselves as sinners. But Paul here uh, changes that direction and refers to the believers as saints. It's a reposition. In the flesh, yes, we're sinners. In the Christ's righteousness, clothed in His righteousness, God sees us as winners. God sees us as saints. You know, and, until we uh, until we realize, you know, that sin uh, has infected our soul. And and the cure for the consequence of this infection is to trust Jesus, is to trust in what God ordained in his son. We recognize that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross satiated or satisfied God's requirement for sin. Remember, uh, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. So something or someone had to die. Jesus' death, the shedding of his blood, uh, is the free gift of God unto eternal life. See, we we get to be transferred from death to life because of our trust in Jesus. Repentance, then, is just turning away, you know, from a self-centered way of life turning away from that life and surrendering to God. See, when you make that choice, you become changed. You become repositioned. You become a saint. You are now set apart for God. Set apart unto a holy God. Paul goes on to write in Galatians chapter two, verse twenty. He says, "I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me." See, when 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 you live like uh, God has ordained in Jesus. Your life will be repositioned. It is the power of God unto salvation. You see, my life wasn't always that way. I I I thought for years that you know I I I came to church with a uh, uh, a study Bible under my arm, a thick one, right? With a zipper on it, a little kind of padded cover, you know, over it, right? And, uh, and, and, and I would come to church, and I would uh, be there on Sunday, right, maybe Wednesday night, you know, and uh, men's Bible study. Um, matter of fact, I would even meet with some of the guys uh, in the mornings. So, so in my mind, I thought I was, I was doing the right stuff, I, w- I was doing the right things. Uh, the more I began to study the scriptures, bef- be- the more I began to, to realize that uh, uh, my life you know, has been changed. What Paul say there in, in Galatians chapter two, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The mental assent that I was giving to God, I thought I was saved. I thought I was born again. And if, and if you look at my life, during that time, uh, you would probably say, "Well, of course, he's here every Sunday. He's here every, you know, every Wednesday night. You know, goes to men's Bible study, does all the stuff. You know, but my life wasn't being changed. I, I had not yet surrendered to the risen Savior. I had not had that." Damascus Road experience, like Paul did. I had not committed myself uh, That changed as, as the Holy Spirit began to work in my life, you know and um, you know it's, it was just one of those things that, that I just I finally surrendered. I finally give up. You know, um, the Bible goes on to, to tell us that it is, is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me uh, to work or to will and to work for his good pleasure. So, so I, you know, I, and I'll, I'll be honest with you today. I'm a very, very selfish person. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. In July, my wife and I will be married 39 years. You don't think she knows I'm selfish? But God is changing me. He's, you know, he's helping me to set myself aside. Set my my wants and desires aside for his good pleasure. Because it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In 1865, Abraham Lincoln, the 13th president of the United States, at the end of that war, um, wrote the Emancipation Proclamation. Slaves were freed. Uh, The Confederate States crumbled and uh, they became incorporated into the United States of America, and, uh, but, but those slaves were, f- were free. They could go where they wanted to go, do what they wanted to do, that, and, and that's not to say that uh, it happened overnight. And that's not to say that, that, that the prejudice of all of that didn't linger And we we still see some of that uh, today. But the idea of the war, the sacrifice of the blood of men and women who serve our country to provide us the freedoms, that's a continual effort. In order to maintain our freedoms here in the United States, men and women will still have to fight. Our our young men and women growing up will leave for the military. We will pray for them, we will entrust them to Jesus and send them out. The sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross was once and for all. It's, it's effective. And, and, and that sacrifice freed slaves. The Bible tells us that, that we were in bondage to sin and death. That the only way to, to escape hell was to believe what God said of his son. to receive that power, to receive that Holy Spirit, uh, which raised Jesus from the dead. What an awesome power that we have access to. When when we become repositioned, we're transferred from darkness to light, from, from death to life. And, and, and here's, here's, here's the hard part, right? Uh, and we're set on a narrow path. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew uh, chapter 7, verse 13 to 14. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Have you found the narrow path? Have you been repositioned? Or as Jesus would proclaim to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, have you been born again? If the answer to these are yes, then you've been repositioned. You are a saint set apart for the holy service of God. So here at Calvary Chapel Bakersfield, for those who call themselves believers, for those who are saints, who those who have been repositioned in that, right, have given been given gifts from God uh, to be serving right here uh, in our body. If you need help finding a place, come see me. Let's talk. Right? If, if there are those here today uh, who can't answer yes, I would certainly implore you or, or let's look at what the, the, wor- the words that Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I'll ask you those questions again. Have you found the narrow path? Are you clothed in his righteousness that we might become the righteousness in him? Have you been repositioned? Has your eternal positioning system working for you? You see, if, if, if you need help uh, finding your way uh, to repositioning, right, uh, come talk to me. Uh, I can help, uh, help you find that uh, narrow path. I can help you find salvation for your soul. That's a free gift. I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. That's all. My lack, my shortcomings, God is still working on my selfishness, God is still working on me. God's still working on you. Begin to have that mindset. Begin to have that thought pattern, right, about surrender, about how Paul would say, "Is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Consider that today within your own life. Consider those who have made the sacrifice that we have the freedom to come into this place to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the good news without fear and without shame. So today as we conclude this, this message, as we uh, end with a, with a song, I want to invite the worship team to come back Allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. Allow the Holy Spirit to do something different in your life. It's not until that surrender happens, it's not until that you're repositioned, that that peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ will be recognized. In your life, those are the, remember. Those are the only things that saints uh, they get to uh, experience. Well, Let us pray, Father. Today, as we conclude this message, as Lord, as we just we looked at just the introductory verses of probably the greatest theological uh, writings known to man. That Lord, you've moved on His heart uh, to pen these things. And Lord, we would just be uh, obedient uh, to share those today. Lord, by, by your Holy Spirit moving throughout this place, Lord, we just avail ourselves, Lord, for your service. Uh, cause us, Lord, to use our gifts that you've given us, Lord. And Lord, today, is, if there's any, uh, who who can't say yes to those questions, uh, Lord? We pray that God, that your your Holy Spirit, Lord, would uh, quicken it to their minds, uh, Lord. Begin to regenerate uh, their hearts, uh, cause them to come into that uh, eternal position, Lord, with you, knowing that is not the condition of uh, our hearts, uh, but that is the position. And so, Lord, uh, let us begin there in that position with you, allowing you, Lord, to change our condition. And so we lift you up today, uh, glorifying you as we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.